All right. All right. Well, we have been, um, we've been in this series, Beauty for Ashes. This is week number five and the conclusion today. And uh, I just want to take a, a bit of a, a look back uh, over the last five weeks of where we've, where we've been, because uh, we've been building brick on brick, layer on layer. Um, and so week number one, part one, we talked about the purpose of pain. Talked about how difficulties and pain that we experience in this world sometimes seem senseless, and we may wonder what to do with that, right? What do we do with the fact that we experience pain in this world, and yet there's a good God? What, what, do, we, what do we do with all that? We talked about how many religions and philosophies have unhelpful ways of thinking about pain in this life that range from blaming God to denial to avoidance. But the Christian answer, the Bible answer, is found in Christ. That we have a God who suffered. We look to the one who came and chose to enter our suffering. And just as his death seemed tragic and pointless at the moment that it was happening, yet God brilliantly used it for our freedom and victory, right? And, and so, um, though God doesn't cause our pain, he has a purpose in it to bring about good things for us if we trust him. Part two, uh, we, we took the idea of God having purpose in our pain one step further. We talked about the transformation of trouble. We looked at the metamorphosis. Remember the, the caterpillar to butterfly, right? It's, it's a Bible word, metamorphosis. We looked at the metamorphosis going on in our lives that God is taking us through as we embrace the work of the cross in our lives. And Jesus, in that process, works through us and in, in us the power of his resurrection. And as Paul said in the passage that we looked at in that message, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us. They're actually accomplishing something in our lives. They're achieving for us a glory that far outweighs them all. There is no trouble that you will face on this earth that God is not already at work using it for your glory. Right? Part three, unfair advantage. We talked about how life here on earth often doesn't seem fair. It often is unfair. Things happen that are terrible that shouldn't happen. But this is the reality that we live in in a broken and fallen world. But the reality is that if we if we lived in a fair world where we got what we deserved, that would not be 
um, good either, right? We talked about how unfair it is that Jesus bore our sin, how unfair it is that he died in our place, how unfair it is that we can trade in our sin and guilt and brokenness for the grace and the mercy and the love of God. It's unfair, but we have a victory and a, and a reward waiting for us in Christ, right? And then part four last week, we talked about disappointment to appointment and how one of the, one of the big things that can get us stuck in the muck in our journey in this life, bogged down, is disappointment with ourselves, with others, with God. The remedy for this is not in pretending that it's no big deal or that it doesn't hurt, but in recognizing when we feel disappointed, lamenting it, expressing it, adjusting our expectations as needed, and then learning to trust God again. Right? This whole series has been built around the idea of death and resurrection. And that's that's because the Bible's answer and Christianity's answer to pain is not to pretend it isn't real or to sweep it under the carpet and paste on a fake smile, right? but to understand that the great shepherd of our souls has experienced the worst this world can do. That he willingly surrendered to death, knowing that his father knew things that his murderers didn't know. Right? His father knew things, even the demonic powers that had orchestrated his murder didn't know. First of all, that his his death would be followed by his resurrection. The powers of darkness threw all that they had at Jesus because they assumed that his death would be the end. They did not see the resurrection coming. They had no idea that death would be defeated and the power of sin would be undone when Jesus rose from the dead. And what they thought was their victory was the beginning of their ultimate defeat, right? And not only that, Jesus knew that his father was a master at taking every evil and working it out for the good of those who trust him. And that's why Jesus could say to his disciples, in this world you will have trouble, but be encouraged. Take heart, for I have overcome the world. In other words, the secret to dealing with pain and trouble in this world is to trust the shepherd who has walked through pain and sorrow because he won. And he will use everything that comes your way for your transformation 
and your glory, and he will not waste anything. Right? So today, we want to talk about going on a trip. Going on a trip. Not till next week. That's right. Um, I want to talk about baggage versus luggage. Baggage versus luggage. These two words in English seem to be synonyms. They seem to have the same meaning. But as we take a closer look at it, we actually use these words very differently. When you go on a trip and your airplane taxis into the gate, you disembark, get off the plane, and the first thing you want to find, unless you need the washroom, the first thing you want to find is baggage claim, right? This is where the suitcases that you had checked in on arrival come out on a carousel and you go pick them up, right? You claim your baggage. Um, <clears throat> in airports all over the world, this is called baggage claim, not luggage claim. It's baggage claim. However, if you're planning a trip and you don't have adequate suitcases for it, you go to a store and you shop for luggage. You shop for luggage. You don't shop for baggage. You shop for luggage. Right? You follow me? And so baggage is about where you have been, and luggage is about where you are going. Does that make sense? I mean, even metaphorically, we use the word baggage to refer to the past. Wow, that guy has a lot of baggage, right? She brought a lot of baggage into that relationship. We don't say that about luggage, we say that about baggage. And we, when we say that, we're talking about the past experiences, past behaviors, past pain that the person is carrying around with them emotionally that's still affecting them in their current relationships and perspective on the world today, Right? So, baggage. What do we find in our baggage? As we said, our baggage is about where we've been. And very often, as we talk about, talk about baggage, as we talk about where we've been, as we think about our life 
Thank you. Oh, to put this on. Oh, okay. I thought you were just being nice to me to give me a chair. Getting it up for the live stream to see, she said. Good idea. Excellent. When we, when we talk about the past and when we, we, we tend to have, as humans, a past-present orientation to how we understand the world. We see who we are and where we are in the, in, through the lens of where we've been and what we've done. Right? And oftentimes when we are looking at where we can go, we base it on our baggage. We open up our baggage and we find things like failure, damaged, regrets. Sin, hurts and pain. When God came to 80-year-old Moses and said, Moses, I want you to lead my people Israel out of slavery in Egypt. I got a big job for you to do. When God came to Gideon and said, you mighty warrior, I've got a job for you to do. I want you to lead a revolt against the Midianites and bring my people Israel out from under the oppression they've been under. These men went to their baggage and they opened it up and they said, God, you, you got the wrong guy. I'm not qualified. Look at, look at the baggage I have. Look at the things I've done. Look at how I've failed in the past. Look at how, how small I am and how nothing I am. Look at my family history. You got the wrong guy. But God said to both of them, no, no, wait, wait. I packed some luggage for you. I've got some luggage packed, ready to go for your trip. You open that up and you're going to find that you're forgiven. That you're called. You're going to find that I've given you promises that I will honor and keep. You're going to find that you have learned humility through all of those experiences that you walked through that is going to be a strength of character that will carry you to the end. And you're going to find you've gained all kinds of wisdom as you've fallen and gotten up again and again. And I've packed luggage for you and you are ready for this trip. Baggage, as I said, is what we as humans obsess over because we tend to have 
a past-present orientation. Baggage is going on a trip where your worst enemy has packed your suitcase for you. Baggage is what Satan, the accuser, the enemy of your souls, fills your thoughts with his messaging with. He labels you broken, hopeless, stained, trash, forgotten. And all too often we listen to his messages and believe that our baggage tells our story. However, Jesus views our lives with a present future orientation. He sees all of our lives, past and present, in the light of where he's taking us. Even as Moses was making some major blunders younger in his life, God was looking at how he would use those blunders to move Moses toward the victorious last third of his life that would be so spectacular. We have this same thing playing out in John chapter 21. I want you to turn with me if you have Bibles, Bible apps, to John chapter 21. Last week, we spent some time in John chapter 20 at the end of our message, where Jesus came twice in that chapter. The resurrected Christ came to the disciples, and he met with them, and he he said, uh, he, he, he displaced their disappointment and gave them a new appointment. Remember that? He said, as the Father has sent me, I now am sending you. Let's read in uh, John 21, the first three verses first. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. Different location before it had been in Jerusalem. Now he appears to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were there. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Peter had seen Jesus twice since his resurrection. But each time, there was a big elephant in the room. Peter had denied Jesus three times. The night that he was being tried before the Jewish ruling council. And when Jesus needed Peter the most, he had not only let him down, but he betrayed their relationship. And even though Jesus 
was alive and had said in his first meeting with them, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you, Peter wasn't sure that, that he personally could really have a part of that plan. He didn't know how to move forward, but he sure knew how to move backward. So he went back to doing what he knew how to do when he was just Simon the fisherman. He looked in his baggage. He decided he wasn't fit for anything else but to go back to what he had known. But Jesus needs Peter to trade in his baggage for luggage if he's going to go where he's meant to go and is going to do what he's meant to do. His perception needs to change from how his past disqualifies him to how God's calling and equipping qualifies him. Jesus comes to find these men. He goes, he goes looking for them in Galilee. They've changed locations, but Jesus goes looking for them because there's a private conversation that needs to happen. And when breakfast is over, Jesus takes Peter aside, and it's time for the talk. Verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Jesus brilliantly asks Peter three times. In contrast to the three times Peter denied him, calling him by his birth name, Simon, son of John. Do you love me? 
Peter had reverted to his behavior before the call of Jesus, so Jesus met him where he was. Isn't that interesting? What a, what a kind and loving Savior we have that will meet us even where, where we are, right? Even in that place of doubt and confusion and brokenness and, and despair, Jesus comes and meets him there. And each time Simon Peter replies, Lord, you know that I love you. And each time Jesus calls him afresh to the destiny that he had for him. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Jesus took away Peter's baggage in that inter interaction. He took away his baggage and he gave him luggage for the journey ahead. And I love that at the end of the conversation, Jesus says, follow me. That had to take Simon back to the first moment Jesus spoke those words when he was fishing. And he walked up to the boat and he said, follow me, and Peter dropped everything because he had a sense that this man had something more for him. And now in this moment, he's brought back there, reminded again of all that Jesus has poured into him and all that Jesus has, has removed from him and all of the ways that, that, that his life has led to this moment where he could step into his purpose and destiny, right? Just a couple more minutes. I want to turn to Philippians chapter 3. Starting in verse 10. Paul writes, I want to know Christ. Everybody with me? Everybody with Paul? I want to know Christ. And the power of his resurrection. Anybody say amen to that? And the fellowship or participation in his sufferings. Have I lost anyone? <laughs> right? Becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. I don't think Paul was just talking about that day, someday that's coming when we will be raised from the dead. But he's talking about that process he's talked about elsewhere that we talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The process of the work of the cross in our lives where the things that, that need to die in us die so that the life and the resurrection life of Jesus can be released in us. Right? 
Let's read that again through that lens. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participating in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul says that, I know that the fullness of this will only be accomplished. I've totally ignored this, haven't I? The fullness of this will only be accomplished at the resurrection. But each and every day, he is leaning towards it. Listen to these words. Not that I have already obtained all this. We're not there yet. Or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Forgetting what is behind. Guess I have to do it up. There we go. There we go. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. If you have surrendered your life to King Jesus, then you are no longer slaves with baggage. You are sons and daughters with luggage. Your life is no longer defined by where you've been or what you've done. It is defined by the things that He has spoken over you, the things that He has declared over you, the plans that He has for you, the promises that He has made to you. Let's stand in the room, please. I want to ask you some questions. I want to invite the the ministry team to come on up. Breakthrough team. A few of them away today. But uh, good, good. I want to ask you today. What baggage has become too heavy to carry for you? What What about your past that you've been lugging around? What about your past that you have allowed to define who you are? 
What about your past that the enemy, the accuser of your soul, has been using to label you? What baggage has become too heavy to carry? What do you need to bring to Jesus today? What needs to be left at the cross? Because that's where it was taken care of. What has God packed for you in your luggage? What future and callings and promises has God declared over you that you, somewhere along the line, stopped believing? Like Simon Peter today, I believe Jesus wants to have a conversation with some of you. Some of you in this room, some of you watching online this morning. Wants to have a conversation where his only question is, do you love me more than these? More than these lies that have defined you? more than the other things that that we become distracted with, more than the things that we keep going back to because it's it's what's familiar instead of looking towards what He has in store for us. Do you love me more than these? Because if your answer is yes, He's got the rest. So I want to pray with you this morning as we conclude. And then I want to invite you to to come and receive ministry. Um, if, if, If there are things that you are carrying that you need to unburden yourself with today, why wait one more minute? Father, we thank you. We love you. We worship you. God, I thank you in this place today that that as we've gone in this journey, we have grown and learned that um, we really can trust you with the pain in our lives, with the things that we've experienced, with the troubles and the difficulties and the challenges, with the heavy moments that seem like more than we can bear. And we thank you in this moment that we're reminded today that our our past 
for us. May we not diminish its power. May we not diminish the story of the cross by carrying around things that have already been dealt with there. But may we release them and receive freedom from you. We give you thanks for your love and your mercy. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. Amen. God bless you. If you would like ministry, our team is ready to, uh, to pray with you, to agree with you. Help lift those things off of your laden shoulders. I want to encourage you. We have a prayer tonight at 6 o'clock. It's a great place, too, to come and, and receive from the Lord. Come and pray for the ministry year ahead with us. Come and encounter His presence. God bless you. Have a fantastic day, fantastic week.